Paddock Dot Beers. This is a specially extended version of the F1 News Flash previewing the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. This weekend, three men in the hunt for the driver's title. Third place, Kimi Raikkonen. An outsider, yes, but he could still win. Sebastian Vettel aiming for his third world title, and so is Alonso, also looking to claim his third world crown. Fernando has had three victories so far this season. And he's aiming to grab his third pole position of the season at Abu Dhabi. In the last race, Fernando scored his third second place results of the year. And if either Alonso or Vettel retires from this weekend, it would be their third retirement of the year. And of course, with just three races to go, anything could happen. And here's the top 10 in the championship so far. Number 10. On 66 points, it's Sergio Perez for Sauber. Number 9. Hanging on in there, still with some good results for Ferraris for Lipe Massa. Number 8. Under question, will he race next season? Well, we might have some news about that later. It's Roman Groschon on 90 points. Number 7. Nico Rosberg had a bit of a tough time of it lately, retired from two of his past three races. He's got 93 points and he's in seventh. Number six. Jensen Button, pretty much written off his title hopes now. He can't win it, but he's sixth. Number five. Lewis Hamilton, outracing his teammate this season in his final year at McLaren, 165 points. Number four. Mark Webber going well in fourth place, 167 points, just two ahead of Hamilton. And he's also out of contention in the title. Number three. Kimi Raikkonen. The Iceman, not at a single retirement all year yet. Number two. Fernando Alonso, as I said, looking for his third championship this season. Can he get a win with three races left to go? Number one. And he stole the top of the driver's standings from Alonso in the Red Bull on 240 points. 13 ahead of Alonso. It's Vettel. And you can watch all the action this weekend in the UK live on the BBC as ever just after midday with uh, Jake Humphrey and Eddie and David. And as always, every race is live and in HD and in 5.1 Dolby Surround Sound on Sky Sports F1. Coverage begins a whole 19 minutes before uh, lights out. So what are you waiting for?
if you follow Twitter like I do, you might have noticed that Britain's James Collado, who raced in GP2 this season with the uh, Racing Steps Foundation for uh, Lotus, uh, alongside Esteban Gutierrez, uh, tweeted that he is very excited to uh, be able to announce something very soon about a drive, possibly in 2013. That's uh, been leading to much speculation, whether he'll be in Formula 1 in 2013. So, I thought, why don't we just phone him and ask him? And I'm very pleased to say that joining me on the line is Britain's James Collado. Hi, James. Hello, how are you? I am wonderful, yes. I'm, uh, I'm so excited to speak to you today. <laughs> I bet you are. No, yeah, it's, uh, it's good. I've got some free time, so uh, you can ask whatever you want. Well... I will. Um, you, um, well, I'll, get, I'll just get right to the point then. Um, on Thursday, you tweeted to your uh, loyal fans on Facebook yep. and on Twitter that you uh, that you're really excited to to sort of tell us um, about something in 2013. And mm-hmm. um, what is this thing that you that you're going to tell us about? But it's really really nice to keep people you know <laughs> keen to know. Um, you know, I like to wind a few people up and things on, on, on Twitter and social network. But yes, I can confirm that um, something has been settled for 2013. I will be driving a car, um, which is fantastic news. Um, I can't confirm what it is yet because obviously I haven't signed. As soon as I've signed all the deals and everything sorted, then um, I'll be able to release a, you know, a, a statement. But until now, all I can say is... Um, yeah, there's a drive there. It's all been sorted. Um, management, there's new management. Uh, the money's been found for, for whatever I need to do, whatever I'm doing. So uh, it's very good news. And I, I, like you said, I just can't wait um, to tell to tell everyone and let everyone know what I'm doing. Um, but I can assure you, it's, it's it's very good. So I'm very pleased. Will you be racing next season? I am racing. Yes. Will you be racing in GP two? Who knows what's going to happen, but. Um, you know, in terms of my career, it's looking very, very good. And, uh, you know, once um, once I can announce whatever it is I'm going to announce, then um, I'm sure people will be pleased to hear that. Well, uh, we've all been following you. I certainly have anyone on Twitter throughout the season, at James Collado. And um, you were a prolific tweeter, let's say. Yes. And, and uh, yeah, it's good to follow you. You, you. you update everybody and all your fans throughout the re- weekend and you keep us up to date with whatever you're doing. Mm. And it'll be it, it'll be really good to see you, uh, say, take a step up um, in your career if that is what is going to be announced. And yeah. uh, Well, in terms of, obviously, this step up, I'm in no rush. Obviously, um, there's, there's no rush for, for me to be in Formula 1 at an instant, um, in that case, it would still be nice to be there, um, you know, as soon as possible. So, you know, it's, 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 I suppose when you're ready and when you've, you've found the funding and you need to be in the right place at the right time, you need to know the right people. Um, and, you know, looking at it now, in all honesty, um, there are drivers which are going to be in Formula One next year, which really shouldn't be because in my opinion, um, some of them aren't good enough, um, and it is all about money these days. Unfortunately, you've got you've got drivers bringing ten million um, to, to Virgin. Uh, sorry, not Virgin, Marussia. Uh, you, you're going you're gonna to have a driver next year bring ten million to Caterham, um, who, who will probably take um, Petrov's place. 
Um, and you've got the likes of Esteban, who is, is a good driver, but, you know, is bringing so much money to Sauber. Um, they, they, they can't refuse. So um, Formula One is a very, very tricky, tricky and political business at the moment. Um, so like I said, being in the right place, right time and, and having the funding to do it is, is key. Yeah, Esteban Gutierrez not yet confirmed at Sauber, though he is uh, certainly pretty much um, rumoured as as having already signed that contract at Sauber. Uh, but just talking a bit more about your season in 2012, um, you yeah. finished fifth overall, uh, level on points with uh, Guido Vandergaard. Yeah. And uh, from your point of view, um, how was the season? Was it uh, better than you thought it would be, or, or do you think you could have done a bit better? Well, as a racing driver, I'd have liked to have been champion and won every single race, you know, but um, obviously it's not going to be like that. I think, in general, it was a very um, encouraging and, and good year. I mean, up until the last round in Singapore, I was third place, um, albeit a few points off, but um, finished, finished fifth mainly because I'd, I had a hill in Singapore and I wasn't able to complete a race. Um, so holding on to third would have been... Um, more convenient and more pleasing. But in terms of results, I won races. I, I had pole positions, a lot of podiums, and, and I was able to show people what I was able to do. And, um, you know, I think that's what matters. And to be ahead of Esteban all up until the last round was was, was pleasing because obviously he was a second-year driver. He's, he's very well-backed um, and is very experienced. So, um, you know, I think it was a great year for me. You know, I know it was only fifth, but... Um, you know, it's it's something you can capitalise on in the future, no matter what you do, Formula One, Jeep Two, whatever it's going to be. So, it was good to get the experience, and um, I'll take that into 2013. Wherever you uh, you end Wherever up, wherever I so, will be, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I guess I, I suppose it's only right I ask that. Do Do you have any idea when we can hear? Will it be maybe this weekend or this week? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's up to it's up to. Um, the sponsors and, and the people around me to, to decide when that is. Um, obviously, I've been told and I'm over the moon, but um, until that day, I, I really can't say anything. Uh, I wish I could. Um, but I can assure you it's, uh, it's very promising news and um, something I would, I'd want to hear as a 22-year-old, as a 23-year-old boy. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, uh, yeah, um, uh, I suppose we'll just all have to, to stay... Uh tuned to uh, to your twitter feed then um, yes yes uh, indeed i mean i i'm 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 very keen on the social media i like to keep people entertained keep them updated you know results or you know nothing really uh general everyday life as well so um you know i'm a big fan of that and uh i can assure that as soon as i'm allowed I, it'll be the first thing i i tweet or put on facebook um i'm sure it'll be in the websites and things like that anyway so um yeah, if you, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at James Collado, then um, I'll keep people posted. Well, um, I'm going to play a preemptive celebration uh, song for you, um, James. <laughs> um, you like your your rock and roll. Yeah. Um, so uh, tell us then, what's uh, what sort of a celebration song can we play for you tonight? Oh, do you know what I was listening to the other day? I was listening what? to Fleetwood Mac, The Chain. I'm a big, big, big Fleetwood Mac enthusiast. <laughs> uh and I've not because it's just the F1, I think they're a great band. I, I reckon if you've got it, you would make the chain. 
Well, I said I'd play anything for you, and uh, I, I can't not. So, um, just for you, James Collado, um, whatever you end up doing in 2013, um, best of luck, and we'll look forward to seeing you uh, uh, dicing up there at the top of uh, whatever championship in, uh, in next year. Best of luck. Thank you very much, and it's uh, been a pleasure speaking to you.
And joining us via Skype to talk about this weekend's action in Formula One is our regular contributor, presenter for the F1 in Pubs podcast, and also for the motorsports show on Scratch Radio in Birmingham. It is Paul Hadsley. Hello, thanks for having me on your illustrious radio station. It is very illustrious, yes. And, uh, well, it's Abu Dhabi this weekend, and uh, I was thinking, Paul, about an alternative... F1 Championship, because mm-hmm. instead of me asking the same sort of questions that maybe you you expect me to ask, I'd say, if there was an F1 Fantasy Championship, how will the last three races of this year go? Well, if we directed the races ourselves... Um... But to be honest, 2012 itself has been a bit of a fantasy championship this year, and that no one until the last until we left Europe, we you know we had a a wide open championship, and different cars were fast and and different times, and yeah, different drivers had weak strengths and weaknesses. It was it was going pretty well. 2012 is the ideal of what Formula One fans want: great amount of overtaking on track, except for Hungary, and um, great amount of interest in the championship it was like the, the win-win situation no one dominated and the races were all even Valencia you know worth watching but uh, then we got out of Europe and it became yeah Vettel's uh, sideshow really he took, he took the ball by the red ball by the horns just uh, I did yeah, that I yeah just heard yeah. that as I, as, I, as I said it I heard that and uh, <laughs> yes he took the red ball by the horns and basically grasped the championship as well so he's got one hand on the title so without him it would still be pretty good I don't know I haven't I don't know maths or anything to see how far Alonso would be ahead without Vettel around but yeah it was the fantasy championship would be probably if you're actually just taking it as a red the fantasy championship would have a few more European tracks or classic race tracks and a few less uh, Tilka car park tracks in the Middle East <laughs> okay fair enough Last three races, then Abu Dhabi's uh, up next. Kimi Raikkonen said uh, this track is... Uh, yeah, well, I'll just say he, he doesn't really like it. Uh, Abu Dhabi, it's uh, quite a boring track uh, to some people. And um, USA, going to be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. It's another Tilka circuit. Yeah. I think I think he's building too many now. Uh, he should just be banned. He's got the contract, so, you know, he's... Literally, with, with Microsoft uh, Paint, I drew an almost mm. identical track of... Uh, you, and it could have been either China, Bahrain... Yeah. Um, yeah. What's it? Uh, Singapore, yeah, yeah, Korea, India, Abu Dhabi, yeah, yeah, America. That's, that's, a, that's a good list, thank you. <laughs> but no, he has got... A li- he has got um, a sort of default spec... And it is a bit annoying because it's all tracked to a spec. He seems to have, uh, you know, a, a requirement for a long straight, which even though he doesn't quite get it right because the corner leading onto it never really exactly... Like Abu Dhabi's got one of the longest straights. The corner leading onto it does not help by... is not help facilitate overtaking. It always splits up when they get too far apart. China's about the only one that just because it's about three miles in length or something stupid that actually generates overtaking. But Turkey was good. I'll give him Turkey, as I said before. An A1 wing was his first and probably the best. And I'll always love uh, the A1 wing. But yeah, he is just like copying and pasting his designs around the world and is a bit annoying. But, you know, he's just doing what he's told. He has always has a, a double corner. He always has a really long apex corner as well, like the first corner in China or turn eight in Turkey and apparently there's a, a right-handed version of turn eight with multiple apexes in uh, in America and and 
you know, Abu Dhabi's not going to be the greatest race, let's face it, but I come from a different perspective because obviously I'm uh, with the F1 in pubs crowd and doing the F1 in pubs cast. Um, the more boring races gives us more fun to have in the pub and, you know, talking to each other and, and making get drinking games and, and silly costumes and, and drawings and stupid things that happen. Like this week, I was um, tweeting, obviously, as you do, and when it's boring, you want to keep your own entertainment level up. And my phone was shining right in the face of the head of, F1 in Brum and uh, sort of blinding him and that became like someone took a picture of it and then obviously I was holding my phone quite near a rude place and uh, my crotch was suddenly flashing and that was sort of you know that became the banter of my flashing crotch haha <laughs> uh, you know all that sort of thing and this suddenly we realised yeah the race oh 20 laps of the race had gone nothing's happened you know it was a bit a bit of a puncture Sauber had a puncture oh that was big but uh, yeah nothing if much happened then we'd have you know when the races are exciting then we have we just sit there in silence obviously because we've got more time to say oh Hamilton shouldn't have done that and Maldonado's an idiot isn't it but when the races are really boring we can entertain ourselves so I'd, I'm not really bad mind a boring race and I'm sort of preparing myself and getting myself ready for one on Sunday but, but yeah um, what was the question? <laughs> uh, the F1 in Pubs podcast yeah. available on iTunes right now. Thank you. <laughs> we'll go to if you can't, can't find it on iTunes, go to uh, F1 in Pubs dot com and it sort of links it for you. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, I was uh, asking about uh, um, Abu Dhabi. Yeah, Abu Dhabi isn't the greatest track. Uh, we, we don't know about America. It could be really good for we know. Um, yeah, it could be good. But, you know, just tarmac runoff is a bane of my life and I don't rate it as much as the FAA seem to do and that's a whole debate for another time. But it does also make the um, the tracks just very uniform, look like they're in a car park and there could be some really good corners, but because there's a tarmac runoff of about two miles after it, then there's no real sort of... There's such a safety zone that really takes away the challenge, you know? And the theory is... And if there's one bit you don't edit out of this podcast, this bit is the bit to keep. The theory is the greatest racetracks in the world aren't designed. They're just, they just happen, you know? F1, is it about facilities though? I mean, yes, make a better medical centre and have better, you know, access mm. to medical stuff and uh, better toilets for people at the ground, but... It's almost like the track is is sort of an afterthought, and the racing. Yeah, and I say that's the it's the big debate in Formula One. Do you design a track? And what I just said about design still stands. But when you are designing a track, do you design it to be a driver's challenge, uh, which means you know sort of maggots, cops, Beckett's, Beckett's are great corners in Silverstone, fantastic for the drivers. You know, look out the window now and see it, <laughs> Lester. But yeah, um, you know. Yes, I'm looking right now. Yeah, see when you look at them, look over there and think, yes, fantastic. I'd love to drive for those corners. But now try and picture yourself as a car in second place or third or fourth or whatever. Uh, and you've got to overtake. Is that going to happen? You know, that's the greatest, some of the greatest corners that the drivers always rave about, but they don't do anything for overtaking and the hangar straight, you know, until they change the layout and the downforce levels of Silverstone, they realise this, that, you know, they don't do anything for letting the, 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 the drivers follow closely. In the old days, you know, they used to be racing side by side at the first corner, hitting this, you know, these great sequence of corners and they'll all be in single file down the hangar straight. And it's like, oh, hang on. You know, there's, there's nothing for racing. But that's the thing, when you design these tracks, do you design it for a driver's challenge like that and hope that it will, you know, 
it will also be tyre challenges. Like turn eight was massively issue, big issue for the tyres. Uh, also, you know, that meant the racing was good because tyres were going off at different times, but they would actually, those corners themselves would hurt the racing because the cars couldn't follow closely, even if there was a long straight afterwards. So Tilk has to think about these things and usually errs on the side of driving, making driver's tracks and trying to impress the drivers and then thinking, oh, I better do something for overtaking. Okay, really long straight, but too late by then because as I say the corners before don't let the cars follow closely so they're all spread out and they can never tow back on the straight and that's why we've had to invent things like DOS and that's a whole, again that's a whole other debate but that's uh, yeah that's, these things have to be invented because it's uh, impossible to actually have a track with flow these days and of course with Formula 1 with downforce levels you can't follow it even slightly close through a high speed corner yeah, okay. Well, a um, couple of last questions then um, okay. before I, uh, I let you go and prepare for the qualifying and race show that you've got coming up mm-hmm. uh, this weekend. Everybody, uh, not to sort of, if you've been listening to the first half of our chat, um, you might think we're all sort of doom and gloom mongers, but India, the last race um, in another Tilka track, and... A lot of uh, feedback that I was getting from, uh, say, my commentary on Twitter at Formula mm. One Paddock um, <laughs> is that uh, it was a really boring race. But I thought very much the opposite. It was a fantastically entertaining, intriguing <laughs> race from lap one, a multi car battle mean, with, with world champions side by side, nobody hitting each other off the track. Oh, that was good. All the way through. Yeah. I mean, I, that, admittedly, that was I was watching it on multi-screen, so I was watching like the onboard feeds, mm. the timing feeds. I was watching uh, Massa battling with uh, Raikkonen or Raikkonen trying to get past Massa for most of the race, and also the two yeah. Williams cars as well battling. Um, yeah. It's those little things that maybe people who just watch one thing, the main sort of TV, Sky or BBC, don't see. Yeah. But that's that's because you the race wasn't exactly the greatest and you had the time to sort of justify going off the main feed to go and load the onboard feed and obviously, you know, when the race is exciting, like, you know, for example, as a Valencia, which was probably I was one watching of, everything. Yeah. But you sometimes the race is so good you don't really want to press the red button or, or turn on your laptop and load the stream, whatever you do. Uh, because the race is so good you think you might miss anything in those twenty seconds. Um you know, in, when the race is um boring like as you said in India you're sort of making your own entertainment and yes you I never uh, said it was boring well exactly but you you made it not boring yourself because the race itself wasn't was lacking so you went searching and because of the excess of data and, and streams and everything that Formula 1 puts out these days you managed to find entertaining yourself the onboard feed if the race isn't great then the onboard feed is, makes the race for me because I think it's watching the drivers you know uh, and, and there's, they always click to the closest battle, even if it's not actually a, you know, a very close battle. If Even if the main broadcast isn't showing it, the onboard feed will try and show the closest battle. And Yeah. Um, and I've always said as well, another great way to watch it, even if you don't have Sky, uh, Sky Sports F1 and, and all the extra feeds and everything mm-hmm. like that, but you can just load up the website, the, the official Formula One website, and watch the timing, the mm-hmm. difference between the split, uh, the sector times between each car, yeah. you're able to see who's closing up on who, yeah. who's faster on which if you look, tires. If you look on the graphics now, I mean, it's not essential you do that. I mean, it's good if you do because you've got it permanently, but the graphics at the bottom do show this and they rotate round and round, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, so 
they he can work out like you know we're trying to work out the gap between Vettel and and the rest of the Alonso because of Vettel's problem was he losing time to Alonso because he had issues but and then obviously Weber did have issues and he was losing time and and then Hamilton at the end as well closing in but wasn't quite enough um yeah, so these timings, you can watch the bottom of the screen and just gradually watch people close in. And I've noticed what we see at the, on the graphics on the screen isn't exactly the same as what either commentary team referenced to, because they're referencing probably what you're talking to, the live timing, but the graphics we see on the screen is obviously delayed or it's sector times and they're seeing whole lap times or vice versa. So they keep they keep mentioning it you know differently to what you see and i find that a bit confusing but yeah when races aren't as when races aren't as exciting and and sort of more more pedestrian like in india you can go round and and find your own entertainment that's the good thing about formula on these days well even that i mean you say it wasn't very exciting but it it was it? and it's not just because i was watching so you just, all the onboard feeds it was actually exciting maybe there was so many overtakes are you, more, are you more cynical for me? Because obviously we had at the end of the race various things happening, like you know Vettel uh, and Hamilton, but I'm not and over threatening to you know change positions. But I, I'm just cynical. I don't believe it until I see it. You know, Vettel I knew would finish the race, and then just controlling things. He might have had slight sparks coming from his car, but I wasn't in any way doubting he would finish the race and win it. You know, he had a great advantage, and he probably just eased off a bit. But you know, and of course that Weber and and uh, and Hamilton. Uh, in the last lap with their problems and Hamilton trying to get by but he was soon he wasn't in DOS zone you know even even Raikkonen I figured out it early on he had no he had a much shorter top gear uh, than anyone really and that meant he'd never get past Massa and Massa tricked him really brilliantly with the DOS you know because but even so even if Massa had stayed ahead into the DOS zone and I don't think Raikkonen had the top gear to get past him so there was sort of I got more cynical about it there was no real opportunities for actual racing there was just yeah well, there was, though, what you've just described there was it sounds exciting mm, but no if you know it's going to be the same lap after lap well you gets, don't gets in the DOS zone. One. yeah but you didn't you did though well got in the dos zone and every lap he stalled out with no top gear so you know he's not going to get past in the dos zone and that track so you should just turn the tv off yeah not turn it off no because i say yeah anything could happen. It could start raining. I know it's India, but you know, someone could run on the track. Anything could happen really. What H at one point, the HRT flew off and was going to look like the safety car was going to come out. Didn't quite happen. But if it had, again, that would change the race. It happened a couple of races ago when the safety car came out and things got 10 times better. But you know, that those sort of random events could happen, but the way the race was progressing, it looked less and less likely. I always have different opinions on the race, but you know, I like more my race, more Valencia style or than Korea or India, which have been a bit more pedestrian. I do have a suspicion, though, that the more traditional tracks like Brazil and uh, Silverstone earlier in the season and uh, Belgium as well um, will always be more entertaining, more mm. full-on, more fascinating. Yes. Um, more of a, a classic type of race. Yeah, and it's, to... it's because of the tracks and the way they look, it's more fun to watch a boring race at Spa than it is at India because of the history and the tradition and that and somewhere like Spa even I've seen some very boring races yes, at Spa that's true and saying even if like entertainment levels um, are, are equal say like I think Spa 99 was rubbish because there were two McLarens hit at the start and they, then Mika Hakkinen got chickened out from ever actually challenging David Coulthard and he sulked the whole race and nothing else really happened there was that brilliant overtake 
That was 2000. But yeah, but yeah. there was one just there was one in in 99 that happened almost identical to that um with I think John Lacey mm. as well. I'll have to YouTube it. Yes, please do and find us the link before. <laughs> that happened in 99 and everybody only oh, okay. remembers the Hakkinen and Schumacher, but an identical move happened with Zonta as well. Um, and oh. I forget the other driver, YouTube well. it, but that did happen. That's in my memory. If I'm wrong, okay. then I'm going crazy. So I bet if you type in, yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you type in um, spars onto overtake, then you're going to get one overtake. Um, but yeah, I, I understand that. But the, mace, the most of that race was rubbish. And I just picked that up as a random one. But, you know, I'd rather watch a boring race at Spa because of the track looks cool and the cars are at top speed for longer and the ch- corners are a challenge. And every time it cuts the onboard, it's just glorious. Than, than the smog field India where it's just a bore, really. And all the, you know, there's tarmac everywhere and it's not even glorious trees or grass to look at you know it's not even just the background is nice background it's just a lot more pl- pleasurable on the eye for to watch a two out of ten race at spa than it is to watch a two out of ten race in india and finally then just before i uh, let you go um what channel will you be watching this weekend this weekend i'll be um as ever in the f1 in pubs location in birmingham uh bar so come on down because we entertain ourselves whether the race is good or bad uh, so we are um, Sky Sports in the we're watching Sky Sports on the Sunday um, I'm sure I'll be watching both coverages really because that's the kind of cool guy I am um, but yes um, uh, live I'll be podcasting from the Sky Sports broadcasting location in Birmingham Bar, on www.f1inpubs.co.uk <laughs> yeah so if you're in the area uh, come on down if you're not then you can uh, just download uh, your podcast and uh, just remind me the the website again www.f1inpubs.co.uk for the if you don't want iTunes just to play it or download it or if you want to go for iTunes f1inpubs.jellycast.co.uk and tell me a song that we can play a final song do you want F1 related I don't know let's play um, um, the cardigans losing my favourite game and here it is <laughs> by magic um, presenter for the F1 in Pubs cast podcast and the motorsport show on Scratch Radio in Birmingham, Paul Hadsley. Have a very, very entertaining Sunday in the pub. Thank you. Also, Formula One's going to be on. <laughs> <laughs>